0: has
1: been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insiders Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Ferry. What a joy! What an honor! What a privilege to be with you all once again. And the same could be said right here right now a joy and honor a privilege to talk to a guy right here that i remember i remember back in the day when i was watching the wwf yeah i was obsessed so obsessed that i not only watched raw and taped it and then watched it several times during the week but i had to be there when wwf metal or jacked was on tv when sunday night heat was on tv and i remember this guy from back in the day he is the one he is the only jr rider how are you bro
0: Oh, wonderful! Thank you. It was a lovely introduction. Very, very. Howard Finkel would be proud. It's
1: very <laughs> <brilliant>. <laughs> thanks, Bray. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you. It's it's like the feeling that I had when I spoke to your good friend Scoot Andrews. Can't wait to learn about your time in professional wrestling. First question, as per usual: How did you become a fan of pro wrestling before you got in the business?
0: Well, when I was a kid, actually, and I actually had the pleasure of telling Honky Tonk Man this story one day. He almost started crying. When I was a little kid, my brothers would actually, they would beat me up if they caught me watching wrestling. They really would. They hated it. So, I, actually, the first time I turned on wrestling, I was probably I was 12, 13 years old, and uh, it's Jimmy Hart and Honky Tonk Man, and they're talking about how, you know, this ultimate warrior came running down at SummerSlam and, you know, beat him up in 30 seconds and took his belt, and, like, it's pulling me in. Right? So then I see Warrior come out at 100 miles an hour, and I was just hooked immediately. You know, jump forward 15, 20 years when I'm in the business, it wasn't Warrior that pulled me in. It was Hockey Tonk Man that pulled me in. And I had the, you know, the pleasure to wrestle him a ton of times on the independents, and we had just so much fun wrestling together, but actually there's an RF video out there with him where I actually thanked him for that. We a little we got to
1: Oh, that's awesome, bro. That's awesome. Honky tonk, man. Definitely a legend in the wrestling business. And speaking of legends in the wrestling business, I know uh, there had to be a point in your time as a fan where you decided this is something that I want to go after. I want to chase this dream. Uh, The bug bit you and you knew that you wanted to get involved. I believe you get trained by former Eastern championship wrestling television champion, Glenn Osborne. Uh, How did that all come about? Uh, And, and, Please tell me about your experience getting in the business.
0: Well, I was actually a musician. Me and my brothers, we, were a, we used to tour with, you know, a Biohazard and Overkill and Type O Negative, and we'd play up in New York all the time. We had a really big band. And my whole dream was to be a rock star. I had no intention of being a wrestler. I Dude, I weighed like 160 pounds. <laughs> was, I'm like six foot two. you know what I mean? I was, I was a skinny beanpole. And, uh, you know, around 93, 94... Heavy metal, it started to fall off the charts, and like Pearl Jam came in, and everybody wanted to be depressed all the time. So, we kind of found ourselves not being able to get booked as much as we used to. It overkill and them weren't getting booked, so uh, I had to get a job. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to do, so I, uh, I went up driving. I went up getting my CDL license to becoming a beer truck driver. So I, I was delivering beer. You know, when I started delivering beer, I weighed maybe I was 160 pounds. I was a little skinny guy. But a year or so later, now I'm about 200 pounds. I'm carrying kegs. You know, I joined a gym and I got I got pretty big. I wasn't I wasn't a bodybuilder, but I was a big guy. So uh, I was actually delivering to a beer distributor in Aston, Pennsylvania, and a guy walked up to me in the parking lot and they asked me if I'd be interested. It was actually Nate Hatred. He was in CCW. Oh. He trained really with well us too. Like God rest his soul. But uh, he's actually the one that that's came to me and every week would try and get me to to go down. Finally, I went down and I got in the room with Glenn and uh, it was just like second nature to me, you know. So uh, that that's how I got into wrestling. It was nice to date hatred. He, he pulled me in and then when I met Glenn Osborne and and, and Bubba Ray, D- I'm sorry, not Bubba Ray, uh, Chubby Dudley, uh, Bay Ray, Rags- Oh, Rags, cool, right. school, Liberty All-Star Wrestling. That, that's when oh. I started. It was right
1: there. Awesome, right, it,
0: it was a dump. Like, it was bad. It was in the back of a gym. Like it like it's I think the ceiling was, it was probably like a Maybe it was a 10-foot ceiling in this place. So if you bumped into you can't really hit your feet on the ceiling, it sucked. <laughs> but I couldn't have had a better future, but Osborne is the man.
1: Oh, that's great, bro. Yeah, Bay Ragney, I consider him a friend now. I interviewed him uh, last year sometime. Uh, great guy. Um, but that's cool. So, uh, awesome. So, uh, Glenn is, I uh, guess, showing you the ropes and, uh, you know, no pun intended, but eventually it gets to a point where you would have to, you know, perform in your first wrestling match. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: My first match was at a, uh, was at a uh, I think it was an elementary school, that LAW was doing. And it was me and um, HD Ryder. They made they made me, me JR Ryder. I had this vision. I always loved the Waylon Mercy. Right? I loved the gimmick, right? So I kind of wanted to do that back in the day. I wanted to wear, I was going to wear white jeans and I was going to wear the shirt that looked white. I wanted to do the Waylon Mercy look. And, uh, you know, know Bray Wyatt actually took it to another level. But that's what I originally. That's what JR Ryder was supposed to be, right? It was supposed to be a Waylon Mercy character. But then they put me in this tag team, the Hell Riders, with uh with uh, Easy Rider. My first match was against the Lost Boys. And it was, at a, it was at a school for, like, it was a school for the blind or something. I forget what that was. But, like, all my friends showed up. Now, my friends are not normal friends. They're, like, they're real bikers. Not, not fake, but, you're like, real bikers. So a bunch of maniacs showed up to see my first match and just terrorized the whole audience because they're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> like, it, they kind of ruined my first show for me because <laughs> they were so enthusiastic, but they were all drunk. It was terrible. It was not a good match, but
1: that was my first match was against the Lost Boys with HD Ryan. <laughs> awesome, bro. Awesome. Uh, all right. Um, well, um, that's cool. I, I like hearing those little nuggets of information. Um, another match, you know, I'm skipping forward very quickly here. Uh, I thought this was interesting uh, because it was, it, in my research again, the only time you wrestled at this company. Um, but I could be wrong because the internet is useless sometimes. Uh IWA Mid-South, when two sides go to war is the name of the event. September 4th, 1997. Pitbull number two defeats J.R. Ryder in five minutes, 44 seconds. How was your experience in IWA Mid-South?
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm down there with uh, Charlie Lewis, Derek Domino, and I uh, think was one of the Lost Boys with us, somebody else was with us. we drove down there and it, it, it was just, actually it was the first time I met David Heath I think was at that show Gangrel, who's was one of my best friends now but uh we didn't gel me in Pitbull number two there was conflicting differences about who <laughs> about who was the man at the time I have much respect to the man God rest his soul but uh it was not a good match I did not enjoy hardcore wrestling it's not my thing I don't know I'm a sports entertainer to be honest I'm not a pro wrestler I never wanted to be a pro wrestler I want to be a sports entertainer. That's all I ever wanted to be. And I, to be honest with you, as far as on the indies, not to brag, I might have been the best sports entertainer on the indies, <laughs> period. Because <laughs> that's what I trained to be, it was the WWE style. And when they were doing all those hardcore stuff and beating each other with chairs, I really didn't see the point because all I wanted to do was go like that and make a ton of money. That's <laughs> really what I wanted.
1: No, I I totally get it, bro, because I started uh, pro wrestling. I'm long retired now, retired. I was a weekend warrior. Um, 2010, uh, I was the sports entertainment kind of guy, and my biggest feud was with the guy who was about 400 pounds, and we got more of a reaction than the guys who were trying to have, like, really good wrestling matches. We got more of reaction just based off, you know, me, this skinny guy who dressed like he was in a hair metal band, against this guy who's like four hundred pounds. He was called Mike Massive. Uh, right. <laughs> so I, I totally get it, bro. I bet. I bet you got over quite well.
0: Look, I, I, you know, there. is more never Billy Fox. A J style
2: like.
1: Sorry, bro. You're breaking up a bit
0: there.
1: Hey, bro. You still there? I'm Sorry, I'm you break up a little. You break up a little bit there.
0: I'm here. I'm, here, I'm out. I'm back. I'm back. Where did you lose me
1: at? Um. Uh. uh just as you responded uh, to what I just said. So, whatever you just said, if you can repeat that. <laughs>
0: I could never out-wrestle like a Billy Fives, like Billy Fives, him, AJ Styles. I mean, they're going to go out there. They're going to put on a freaking clinic of, you know, reversals and all these crazy things. I'm going to go out there, and I, I can hold my own with them. I'm, I'm going to be the biggest guy in the match, but I'm also going to be the one all the eyes are on because I'm going to do less is more, right? Like, like you get just as much out of a punch as you do out of, you know, 48 suplexes over your head. It's always been my theory. So, I always did the less is more approach. But when I would sell something, especially up in WWE for, for you know, about less is more sports entertainer and leave healthy like i don't want to dive on my neck and fracture my neck you know that was always <laughs> my philosophy <Less> is
1: more. <laughs> i understand bro um okay so here we go here, here we begin with me talking a bit about your time uh and all of these matches that you had uh, in the World Wrestling Federation. The first one that I found in my research, correct me if I'm wrong, August 31st, 1998, Shotgun Saturday Night in the New Haven Coliseum against Dan the Beast 7. How did you like getting in there and tangling with the Beast?
0: All right, so there's a funny story. There's a backstory here. As you said, Billy Files is always a backstory, right? So, <laughs> who's a great guy, and one of the toughest sons of the bitches you've ever You like. He, uh, in 97... In Yardville, New Jersey, for an NWA show for Dennis Carluzzo, I was talking to Dan. He liked my look. Uh, I turned him down because I didn't want to get punched in the teeth. (laughs) But I was very flattered. And then, ironically enough, you know, jump forward a year, my first match is Dan the B Severin in uh, in WWE. Now, uh, when they came, Jim Cornette came to me and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, the best I can do is Dan Severn. I'm like, okay, he knows this is fake, right? Like, it's still Dan Severn. And he did, but uh, Dan Sever really lays it in, man. So when they were calling the match, they asked me what I wanted to do, and I'm like, what What can I possibly do? Like, come on, what am I going to drop kick Dan Severn? He's going to no sell it anyway. Just, Dan, just call it in the ring, bro. <laughs> we'll get through this. <laughs> but we actually had <laughs> fun, you know? It, it wasn't my shining moment, but it was, you know, There's something to be said, that's the first time you walk down that ramp. And honestly, when I got into this, everybody, my family, my friends, everybody, you're going to get hurt, you're too small. So my whole goal was just that one moment, just to stand in that ring, that one moment and prove everybody wrong. And I got that right then and there, the New Haven Coliseum, looking up at the arena, thinking, all right, here I am, right before Raw, I made it. And if I never went any further, I would have been okay with that. Luckily for me, <laughs> they really liked me because I came backstage after getting beat up by Dave Saper. I gave him a big hug and thanked him very much and asked for advice. And uh, they liked me. Sarge liked me, and the rest of them like. Korea liked me. They all liked me, so I was there for a very long time.
1: Yes, I noticed, uh, and this is like this is why like I was so excited to talk to you because it's like well, like it's not that often that you know on these types of shows that there will be because usually every week it was someone else, someone else, someone else, and not many people, you know were repeat performers on this show. It was always just like the local guys, I suppose. But, you know, this is this is interesting to me I, I, and a different perspective on professional wrestling and being a, in the WWF in some way, shape or form. And I want to tell you about one match that I watched earlier tonight. And I, you did a bloody good job with this one. I'm telling you, December 28, 1998, on the eighth episode of WWF Super Astros in the Pepsi Arena in Albany, You face Giant Silver, who I don't think he wrestled many matches in the company. Big, you know, seven-foot everything of him. Uh, Not very experienced, obviously, but did a pretty good job. (laughs) How was it working with the big man?
0: You know, I got to tell you, he was a great guy. He really was a really nice guy. He always always traveled with his family. Like, they were always there. Probably because of the language barrier. And I think uh, Bruno, little Bruno, was actually his handler, um, Harvey Whippleman. But it, it was a great, it was fun because I like working with big guys because I didn't, I didn't get the opportunity on the independents to to do all those big crazy bumps. So, I mean, because I was always wrestling guys smaller than them. I uh, I really enjoyed that one. And leading up to that, before we went out, they didn't think he could do the choke slam because every guy that would take it was scared to jump all the way up for the guy. So they would just take a back bump right out of the gate and it looked terrible. And they were going to kill it off on the poor guy until I took it. And I took it to the moon, you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> again, me and Jeff Hardy, just two stupid idiots landing on our backs as
1: high Yeah, no, you definitely went definitely right up for
0: it. Oh, yeah, I got hops, man. I got the gymnastics feet. <laughs> <laughs> I saying, me, me, Billy Gunn. Be Billy Gunn and Shelton Benjamin. Might, there could be an argument who could jump the higher. Billy Gunn will probably win. He's got some hops on him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we will talk about Billy a little bit later. Um, I wanted to kind of seg away from this and talk a little bit about, you know, what else you were doing during this time in your career. And I wanted to because I just I don't know. So I want to know. I want to learn. Um what companies would you have considered what you would have called home at the time? Because I know you, you worked a lot in ECWA, uh, NWA Championship Wrestling America uh, and Independent Superstars and in Professional Wrestling, ISPW. Um, you know, what was like your career like in wrestling in, you know, the indie scene?
0: you going back then, it was a totally different world, man. Now you got, you got NXT, which everybody thinks. And you might have a few little tiny indies, but you'll never have anything like that core Delaware, Jersey, Pennsylvania group that we had. I mean, you look at the talent. You had Steve Carino, Pat Kenny, Simon Diamond, Crowbar, Ace Darling, The Misfits, me. Uh, Billy Fies would come up. Scooter would come up. I mean, dude, the talent pool was huge. Edge, Christian. I mean, all these guys would come down. We'd all work together. So ISPW certainly was a huge huge factor in my life, uh, I, was, that was, I got my first title there, the ISPW, uh, sorry, my second title there, ISPW Championship, I won that there from, a, from a, in a six way with Crowbar and a bunch of other guys. But uh, ECWA was the be all end all for all of us. Uh, that was the spot to be. It was the biggest indie in the world. They had the super eight tournament, which I never was in. The reason I wasn't in it, because I was too big and Kater didn't want me to lose. So my whole I, I was undefeated for I think two years until I ran into Glenn Osborne, but uh, dude, the mix there—me, Sheeta, Master, uh, Pat Kenny, Carino—the mist, dude, it was unbelievable, and it got so it was world renowned, world renowned. And then as years went on, you know, uh, Kevin Kelly came into the mix, and we we created the Connecticut Connection, where we all turned heels, and it, it just—it was all over the world, like everybody knew us. It was we were it was, it was amazing it was really amazing but ECW would have been my favorite.
1: excellent Very you break up a little bit there I think uh waiting for it to iron out yeah I saw it
0: freeze up a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. We'll, we'll, when we edit this in post-production, we'll, we'll cut any time that it freezes, so it's okay. <laughs> um, okay, cool, man. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear all that. Um, I, I have another question for you, and uh, I, I was helped with this one from one Billy Fives. Um, he said to ask you about the fact that you have, a, you have a friend, a good friend named Sean, who is also known as a porn star, the MILF hunter, um, and wanted to wanted me to ask you about the day that you guys were all out and you got shit faced and tumbled backwards and then got trampled by a marching band. Is that correct?
0: Oh, is that, is that what happened out? Okay, so. <laughs> Which one would you like to hear? I'll tell you the real story and then I'll tell you the Billy Fives version. What do you hear that one? Okay. So. We were sitting on the beach like, on the beach drinking, and Billy and I are splitting the check, right? So we both put our debit cards down and they bring me mine back and I sign mine. And him and Sean had gone to the men's room. Well, they're in there a while, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on. I'm starting to get suspicious. Something's going on, because if you know Billy Fives, like I know Billy Fives, <laughs> I know somebody's in a fist fight. <laughs> so I uh I went back there and I opened the bathroom door and uh and like I get I get like pie faced. Like <laughs> he tries to shove me, and I don't freaking move. This is Billy Fives, and then I start laughing. And there's this dude there who's just bleeding, but, like his eyes all split wide open. He's got blood running down. <laughs> and Fives goes, "Oh shit, it's you!" And I start looking. I didn't say a word. I went, "You uh, you got blood all over your face." And I just started laughing. I walked out of the room. Right. <laughs> So Billy Fives apparently and Sean got in a fight with some dude in the bathroom and Billy Fives did what Billy Fives does and beat the guy half to death. But then I just have to walk into at the end of it. Billy Fives version, <laughs> he, when I opened the door, he pie faced me, I fell backwards into a wheelbarrow, slid down a ramp into the kitchen where I got up and then I walked into a bunch of the naked gun, bing, bang, bong, 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 then I tripped, put my hand on the hot stove, turned around, fell into a cake, fell backwards out the window in another wheelbarrow, and then then went down a ramp and launched me about 38 feet into the ocean. That, that's Five's version of the events that happened. <laughs> what actually happened is Billy Five put his hand up and hit a brick wall. <laughs> I like Billy Five's story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excellent, Brian. I've got another one from him later on that I'll be asking now, you.
0: Let you. Let me tell you a better story about Billy five. Here's a, here's a good one about Billy Fives out there. So, Billy Fives rides a bicycle. And down in Hollywood, Florida, you have like the bike lane on the boardwalk, right? <laughs> so, because Fives is obnoxious, he just keeps going as fast as he can and just yells at people in front of him. So, you're going back, I guess this is about a year ago, and he's riding his bicycle, ching, 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 hit his little bell with his little tassels hanging on his handlebars. ching, 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 get out of the bike lane. And he went through a bunch of Puerto Rican guys. And he got right in the middle and one of them just fucking boom, laid his ass the fuck out. (laughs) Right off his bicycle. (laughs) His claim is that he got back up and won this fight. (laughs) Based on the photographic evidence I saw, I'm going to say the six Puerto Rican guys won this fight. (laughs) But again, we'll go with Billy Five's story. (laughs)
1: i love it bro i love it my face is already hurting Uh, (laughs) um, uh, (laughs) uh, all right back to wwf talk here march 22nd 1999 uh you wrestle the godfather on shotgun saturday night at the knickerbocker arena in albany new york um i'm guessing every time they're in new york or jersey they're giving you a call um can you tell me a little bit about like what the process is? Who gives you the phone call? Um, you know, when you get to the arena, what do you do? Where do you wait? Do you go to catering? Do you hang out with the other guys who might be getting picked to, to work on the night? How does that all work?
0: All right. So originally when I first got the call, uh, Steve Carino called me. So I owe all this to Steve Carino. Right, Steve Carino got me my first booking there. And then he had most of my matches are dark matches you don't see them but jim Cornette was the booker and jim Cornette fucking hated the job man he hated it so he called me one night and jimmy and i got along really well and uh he was telling me oh i gotta make 80 phone calls i got to book the guys for this i can do that and you know the salesman in me i said well jimmy why don't you just why don't you give me all the dates and i'll book everybody for you Hell, you'll do that for me? Absolutely. So boom. That one phrase, I became the booker. So if you wanted to wrestle for WWE up in the up in the other areas, you had to go through me. So I became like the freaking king of the indies. <laughs> you had to you had to kiss my fucking ass. <laughs> so, it was one of the best political plays I made in wrestling, but that's what wrestling's all about. Most guys don't understand it. But uh yeah, so I got i I said the right thing at the right time. Yeah, people ask me how I was on TV so much. Well, I was the book. <laughs> Surprise. So <laughs> that's how. It went. So generally though, you get booked. You know, you show up, you go sign in with uh, Tony Gurria so they know you're there. And then generally you go put yourself in the locker room and you go hang out at catering. Everybody would go to catering first. And I got to tell you, I had watched guys go in and not listen to me. I said, shake everyone's hand, say hello to everyone, starting with the veterans. Right? Always the veterans first. So uh, the guy... I said, "Listen to me," and then one me I... after I had warned him three times to stop being an asshole, he just was too comfortable, and I I watched him break his arm. So it was a it was a pretty tough world back then. <laughs> but I played it correctly, and I made a lot of friends for life out of it, a lot of respect.
1: Right. Um, If you could go back just slightly, because you did break up a little bit there, um, as you were telling me about telling the guys about shaking everyone's hand and going to the veterans first. Could you just repeat that little bit for me?
0: Yeah. Well, when you get there, like I would tell the guys, go put your bags in there, say hello to the veterans first. Always, if there's a veteran standing there, you shake his hand first, and not this ridiculous little sissy handshake that everyone wanted to use. I've never understood this because if you shook my hand like that, I'd punch you right in the mouth. I mean, Brad will shaking your hand, he'll tear your arm off. <laughs> Shake his fucking head. <laughs> I would always go to those guys first. I'd some weird advice. i talk to them. Everybody else wanted to talk to the indie guys. I don't want to talk to the indie guys. I want to talk to Pat Patterson. I want to talk to Vince. I want to talk to Hunter. I want to talk he's the rock. Everybody else wanted to talk to the guy in the Indies. What's he gonna do for you? we are you gonna learn from this guy? Nothing. So this is how I, and, Glenn, and Glenn Oswald and Steve Carino, they put that in my head. Make sure you do that. I, and I always follow those rules. I said, well, I did pretty well. I can't But I never had a problem with anyone up there. Uh, Brian Christopher, I didn't like him very much. He was probably the only one up there that I did not like. Other than that, all wonderful experiences.
1: Awesome, bro! What a revelation! I didn't realize that you were you ended up becoming the booker for all of the talent uh, in that area.
0: <laughs> it was a big secret, but it was like if you wanted to go to the Northeast. So it was amazing when it happened. And people started figuring it out because we kind of kept it a little bit of a secret. Um, like how popular I became with the independent wrestling. Like people might to call me up just to say hello. Right? <laughs> I don't even know who you are. It's like, hey, how are you? And it's like a two-minute conversation. So anyway, I heard. <laughs> what can it's you cool. do for me? Never, what can they do for me? It was like, was What can I do for you? <laughs> but I didn't abuse. I will say I did not abuse it. Uh, Inferno Kid, Danny jamundo who was a, a lifetime friend of mine as well, a great guy. Also another guy that was booked constantly. I uh, made sure we made sure he was on all the shows, and he actually got the, he took he took a developmental deal at one point and went to OVW, which he earned. He really did earn that. And uh, I went to OVW as well, but the money wasn't right for me to stay there. I was I was going to stay there for. I won't give out what they were making, but it wasn't much. Yeah. So I stayed where I was. I was making more doing what I was doing, so that's why I didn't uh, go full time
1: fair enough and now that you say the words the inferno kid i totally remember the inferno kid so um that might be someone else i need to
0: very very good (laughs)
1: awesome bro awesome uh uh moving forward uh we're still in 1999 it's march 30th there's a dark match on shotgun you take on julio sanchez at the nassau coliseum in long island any story there with that one?
0: Julio, uh, you know, we, we know each other for a long time. Long time. We, tr- we traveled together a lot of shows. Uh, nah, man, he was always great to work with. He has the stiffest super kick playing on planet Earth out of the corner, and he loved doing it to you. Uh, I think he, you know what, he botched the freaking. We were going to do the uh, Steve Austin's old finisher, the uh, the top rope, what do you call it, the stun gun.
2: Stun gun, yeah. And,
0: uh, it was unnecessary. This is when we were young and stupid. I could have just hit him with an elbow to change the heat. But we're going for the Stun Gun, and he. As great an athlete as Julio is, for some reason, he decided to windmill it and just made it look like shit. But other than that, he's tremendous to work with. He really is great. man. I don't, I don't even know what he's doing now. i got to find him. i got to track him down.
1: Good. Well, I'm glad me asking that question has instigated you maybe catching up with a friend that's Good cool.
0: We'll try huh? Brian Wall. I think mean, he had the wrong name. He should have been called Brian the Brick Wall. His real name <laughs> is Brian Wall. That should have been his name. Julio Sanchez. Uh,
1: excellent bro as i alluded to earlier uh and i only just found this out like five minutes before we started this interview um as i was just doing more searching on the internet 30th of april 1999 for ispw you wrestle the iron sheik how was Uh, it getting in there with him
0: (laughs) iron sheik is the funniest human being on planet Earth. I don't think he has enough credit for how funny he actually is. But uh, I'd go to Hawaii with the Iron too, which is a good story too. Uh, he's just a great guy. It's just He's a legend, you know what I mean? He's one of the guys you want to seek out for advice. Maybe in the ring, not so much out of the ring, because <laughs> he's insane. <laughs> but he's funny because he'd always have your work as balls. Like, you get in the ring, you're like, ah, take the balls. And I'm like, the balls? Right, I'm just working his fucking nuts off. <laughs> That. And he's just laughing because he thinks it's fucking hilarious. You know, work is fucking nuts. <laughs> he can barely walk, but he's the iron cheek man. He's a lot of fun. We a lot of mic time with him. It was just a pleasure to be around the guy. Very funny guy. Very funny guy.
1: Brilliant stuff, bro. Uh, okay, so this was an interesting one that I saw in my research, uh, because all the other matches that you'd worked for WWF was like you know putting someone over for TV. <laughs> Um, but this one was a little bit different. Um, and I, I'm assuming the Julio match might have been because they'll ma- maybe they'll take a look at Julio. Um, that's just an assumption, though. Um, but this one, 4th of October '99, a dark match with Glenn Osborne at the Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey, um, during a jacked taping. Was this uh, maybe a, a situation where you were being looked at? Um Every time you did a TV, were they always looking at you, or you know? Please tell me a little bit about that.
0: All right, so here's the thing: they're always looking at you, whether you're in the ring or you're on the streets. They're always looking at you, and this is why John Cena did so well. Like John Cena, when he went to OBW, he lived like an hour and a half away because he was smart enough to get him distance himself from the drama. Right. So if anything happened, he was never involved. So he was the, the poster boy for, like, this is the guy we want to have representing us, right? Um, so they're always looking at you. So Glenn Osborne and, and I, we, you know, he was my trainer. That was a very special moment for the both of us. We didn't know it was coming. Uh, we got there, and they told us. And uh, Terry Taylor actually put that together because he wanted to see it. And Terry was funny. He knew I was going over, but he kept telling me all day long I'm going to die. Because Have you ever seen Glenn Osborne? Glenn Osborne's a house. Like, he is a monstrous guy. He was like... British Bulldog times two. In fact, <laughs> at one point, they were going to make him one of the British Bulldogs and he turned them down three times is my understanding. But uh, working Glenn was a real, was one of the highlights of my career just because who he is and what he means to me. And it was a real honor working him. It really was. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time. And, Absolutely.
1: and that's cool. And that that would mean something to you, the guy that helped train you and you guys both get to wrestle each other in the WWF. I mean, that means a hell of a lot. <laughs> um the next thing I was going to bring up uh the very next day actually you're at the uh, Nassau Coliseum for Sunday night heat against the Godfather I watched this earlier and I thought it was quite entertaining the situation with you in the hose at ringside they distracted you by running their hands up and down your body um I just wanted to know how did how was that how did it feel to get stroked by a bunch of beautiful women and you know what was it like working with Charles
0: well Charles first of all, another one of the one of the all-time greats I love working with We had so much fun and we would just laugh our asses off uh little unknown fact about me w- women are my addiction I think me and Hunter Hearst Helmsley have the same issue right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I've never done drugs I've never, never smoked weed but I do these right so
1: Sorry, bro. You're breaking up a little bit there. And
0: I, don't, I, don't, I think that might have been the night that Draz got hurt, actually. Draz got injured. Wrestling d Lo. And I right. don't think that... I don't think our match was supposed to be televised. I think our match, Mean Godfather, was originally for Super Astros. And then... And, uh, and then when... Uh, and. It was, a, it was kind of not a happy ending
1: to the night because our I think that was the name yeah? right yeah sorry uh you broke up a little bit there before when you were talking about uh your addiction was women uh, <laughs> did you want to just kind of go over that again
0: <laughs> oh I get, Ric Flair's got nothing on me brother <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I can tell you something, and I've sat in room, and, and you've all heard the stories about, you know, people taking pills in, in the wrestling industry. I can honestly, on one hand, I can tell you how many times I smoked weed and have three fingers left over, right? In my entire life, I've never done cocaine, I don't take pills, I don't do any sort of drug, but women, women are my addiction. I love women, <laughs> love them. <it.
1: laughs> and and, and I, I completely agree. I, I know what you're talking about. I know where you're coming from with that one. <laughs> um also uh going back to billy fives uh and uh him giving me some questions to ask you um, he 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 wants me to ask you about um if there's a a newspaper article with uh you coming off a plane in south africa with the headline white devil
0: oh this is great i'm so mad at myself for this so in not sure what year it was this was a dino As I got off the plane, you know, back then I had my big hair. And, you know, you're talking a flight. We were on this flight for, I don't know, 20 hours, however long it was. We're all half drunk, getting off the plane, waking up, right? So as I'm coming off, you got, you got Bundy, you got Tony Atlas, Snuka, I mean, you got all these, these Coco Beware. Well, they're taking pictures of me, all the, all the press there, right? And, like, everybody's, like, looking at me, like, what, what's so important about you? Well, the next day, the cover of the paper is me. The greatest picture ever taken of me, by the way. I looked like I weighed 290. I was huge. Uh, It says the white devil has arrived. It's on the cover of the paper. Now, like an asshole, I left the damn paper. I had the paper on my bag because I didn't want it to get hurt. I left the damn thing on my bed. I never brought it home with me. I would have had it framed on my wall this day. It was awesome. So the paper says I'm the white devil. Then we go on this radio show there where like, they're interviewing the promoter. It wasn't Dino, it was some other guy. And he's like stuttering and stammering. So I pulled the mic from him and I just
2: they don't have
0: around Uganda, Africa, right? And they don't have any tattoos in the whole country. So they literally thought I was possessed by the devil. So the first show they hit my music and I come out the curtain, I used to run to the ring warrior style, right? Like a mixture of warrior Shawn Michaels, right? The entire audience ran away. You're talking like 8,000 people started running away. Like I hit the brakes. Like, oh, this is bad. So fucking everyone starts running. They're running kids over, trampling each other. They shut the show down about an hour later, 45 minutes later. They restart the show, and they bring me out with no music. And I've got armed guards, armed army guards all the way around me with machine guns. <laughs> they walk me to the rig and it's cocoa beware and I get in the rig and the ref goes all right you're ready I went, yeah I'm doing a job in five minutes I'm going home <laughs> Bing! spine buster doing one two three I'm going get me out of here <laughs> and it got worse from there that trip <laughs> it did not get better <laughs> that was the first that, shot
1: <laughs> that is incredible that's incredible what a, what a crazy life you've lived <laughs> um uh, moving forward uh i wanted to bring up March. oh sorry you're breaking up there a little bit let's wait for oh there we go i've got you back okay uh march 3rd 2000 uh the continental airlines arena in east rutherford uh you take on viscera uh, in a matchup, up uh, You're wearing some new tights in this one, I, I noticed. And uh, I thought that, that that spin kick he gave you was quite snug. How was it working with the big man?
0: I had worked him on the Indies a few times. At least I'd always, always had fun with this one. Uh, very, did, I got to tell you, a soft guy. None of that ever hit me. That spin kick, which Christian and I were, Christian the whole, the whole day when he knew it was coming, he was laughing because he's, he's taking it right in the mouth several times. But uh, a great guy. And he gave me a lot. He really did. He was one of the guys that really embraced me in the locker room and would coach me up and help me. So he really sold a lot of stuff for me. And he was one that started getting, you know, the other guys to bump for me. Uh, the reason why my tights had changed, Andrew Martin had showed up in ECWA. And we got along great. We really did, Andrew and I. And Andrew looked exactly like me, but he's just gigantic. He was probably 3'10" and just ripped the shreds. You know, he looked great. So he came to me at ECWA and I had asked him what they're gonna do with his character. And he laughed, he goes, I'm sorry, but they kind of want me to dress like you. And what do you mean like me? He goes, yeah, they want me to dress like you. I went, oh, great, so I'll be your imposter. He's like, I guess I'm sorry. I'm telling you, man. And I liked Andrew Martin a lot, God rest his soul. The minute they put him in that outfit, that black leather outfit, he turned into a totally different guy and was, like, mad at me, like I was stealing his gimmick. <laughs> I was like, what are you, out of your mind? I've been doing this for 10 years. You've been wrestling for a year and a half, you think prick. So uh, I said, you know what? It's just a pair of tights. I don't care. So I went, and I got the flames. Around, uh, In and around this time, uh, it had been said to me and Glenn Osborne that we were potentially going to be the new brute, because Edge and Christian were breaking up. That had been mentioned to us uh so that was part part of where those tights were, were initiated from it Was part of that was to prepare for the new brood and then they decided to go with the hardys as opposed to uh being glad which i think michael ps hayes did but i'm not sure
1: wow
0: conflicting stories but i will there's just rumors
1: <laughs> yeah no that's awesome it's the first time i've heard that really cool i love it i love learning things like that awesome um yeah. Another matchup I'm bringing up, again, another one. You know, this is kind of where this interview is going. It's just like every single time it seems that there's a story. May 1st, 2000, um, Baltimore, Maryland at the Baltimore Arena. You take on Scott Vick, who many may know is Sick Boy from Raven's Flock in WCW. Oh. I watched this match earlier. Rare, it's rare to find a dark match, but it felt like there was a bit of miscommunication out there.
0: So prior to that match, you remember the Ducks? The Duck brothers?
1: The Ducks, the Ducks, yeah.
0: There's a tag team. Great guys. And they came to me because they saw me wrestle Scott Vick. Said, dude, he's going to blow every spot. He's going to be the worst. I'm like, he can't be that bad. They're like, dude, he's the worst. i was like, all right. Man, he blew everything. Like, dude, I was... He, he went for a baseball slide on me when he was supposed to duck a clothesline. Like, just, he just nonstop. Had I been an asshole, I should have. If it was Billy Fives, Billy Fives would have lumped him the fuck. <laughs> and it crossed my mind. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to hurt the kid for making a mistake. But man, dude, he was—he made me look like shit, which is what really pissed me off. You know, he made me look like the fuck I was doing. But uh, he just was a spot blower, notoriously. Couldn't carry. Couldn't remember a hip toss. It Was bad.
1: Please right. never watch that again <laughs> i don't i don't plan to watch it again no uh,
0: <laughs> well as i said we can't all be gold right <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's it bro and, and and nine times out of ten you're hitting it out of the park as far as i'm concerned I, I watched every single one of these matches that i'm mentioning earlier except for a couple that i couldn't find um but another question i had was uh i guess the company uh are looking at some of your opponents sometimes in these dark matches too and they're looking for a job um so was it i mean they're looking at you as well but did you kind of feel like it was also a job of yours to help make them look good to help them get signed uh tell me a little bit about that job
0: and anyone who goes in there not trying to make their opponent look as good as possible is just a selfish asshole like my whole job I never needed to win. I didn't care if I won because I got. And I'm not kidding you. I got reactions as big as Hunter. I, I would go out to the ring, and the asshole chant would start. These are dark matches. It's dark, but I, I, I actually not to brag, but I got to a point where I was so popular, like everybody knew me, and I could just stare at the crowd, and I would get the asshole chant. Right? And I would get backstage, and Brooklyn Brawler would start laughing. He'd be like, "What did you do?" I'm like, just stared. I'd stare at the one girl in the front row. It was psychology. will tell you if you make that girl uncomfortable. All the men around her will get uncomfortable, and these are the things I said. So I'm just staring at that one girl, and just here it would come. So I didn't need to make the other guy look bad because I got such a good reaction. I didn't care if I ever won; it didn't matter. I was getting all the heat anyway. So when guys go in there and they say, "Oh, I can't bump or I can't do that," they're just selfish assholes. It's just it's not it's not it's not fair for the other guy, the business, or yourself. It's all ego. That's it's right. not fair.
1: Yeah, no, I totally get it. Thank you for the insight there. Very nice. Uh, Again, 2nd of October 2000. Uh, This is interesting because Test is in the match. It's uh, Test and Albert against yourself and somebody called Vincent Goodnight. Um, I didn't get to find this match anywhere beforehand. It's at the MCI Centre in Washington. Um, How did it go going out there with uh, the guy that you apparently uh, (laughs) ripped off? (laughs)
0: Well, we broke up. You froze up a second. There you are you back? You froze up the the
1: whole question. Okay, that's cool, bro. Uh, 2nd of October, 2000, TNA against uh, J.R. Ryder and Vincent Goodnight at the MCI Center in Washington. Uh, what was it like getting out there and being in the ring with the guy that uh, apparently you ripped off?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they started calling, by this point, Luna Vashan and uh, and Viscera had had nicknamed me quiz right so <laughs> were actually there was a consideration of running with test and quiz and having this feud with bob holly and crash and uh <laughs> i was all on board crash was all on board i don't know if bob was or not because he was miserable but uh test wasn't because he knew i would torture i would torture him so i literally would just make fun of test all day long deliberately to get under his skin like i'd stand next to him and i'd be like you're not that big and, like i would just just crush his ego but uh, when we got in the ring, he was all business, and uh, we actually worked really well together. And uh, he, I made I made him bump for me. He didn't want to, but I made his ass fucking bump. <laughs> he wasn't getting away that bump. And in that match, I don't know if it was her first. I think it might have been her debut. Was that Trish Stratus's debut?
1: Oh, it must was, have been.
0: I think I was the first person that I bumped for Trish Stratus. They uh. They never really called the the finish they called didn't make any sense. I kept telling them, I'm gonna be laying on the ground for the finish. I'm gonna be laying on the ground for the, the finish. I gotta chase Trish the room be in position. They're like, oh you can't chase Trish. I'm like, well then I gotta run down the apron and then the lions there look like, like an idiot. They're like, just get there. Okay. So <laughs> when you watch the end of the match, <laughs> you'll see me like run down the apron to test it Albert to bring me back in. <laughs> <laughs> and that was because they just wouldn't call the right finish of the thing. But dude, I took a boot at the end of that, and it never touched me. If you watch the boot, because they even they bring it out of the corner of the boot, never touched me. It was it was perfect timing on mine and test part. And uh, we kind of we kind of bonded a little bit after that. You know, we laughed about it. But uh, it was a, it was actually a very good match. I really enjoyed working with him, and especially Albert. I wrestled Albert, god, a dozen times, and we just had a lot of fun. He would try and throw me as high as he could in the air in the corner. <laughs> we had a great. Job. John his point. That's good. It was, it was a younger guy, and we were we were helping him out. But a great guy. I still talk to this day, I'll talk to him every now and then. And uh, he had a couple of flubs, but uh, oh no, it was, it was decent. It was fun.
1: Very nice. Uh, again, moving forward, thirtieth of, of October two thousand. Uh, Dee Malenko and Perry Saturn defeat Bob Evans and Jr. Ryder at the Fleet Center in Boston. Uh, you know, how was it working with these guys?
0: i got to tell you, I don't even remember working. <laughs>
1: oh, really?
0: Yeah. Honestly, and every single yeah. i like, I wrestled them? Maybe I did wrestle them. I think, honestly, I don't know if I ever tagged in. <laughs> I think Bob Evans did a straight job. I don't think I ever got there. I really, I don't even recall wrestling these two. I remember talking to him. Couldn't tell you one thing about the match. Don't even remember it.
1: Really? Okay.
0: <laughs> Everybody told me, I'm like, I remember being there. Is that who I worked? It was when they first got there, I guess. And Bob Evans, I think, just went in, did his thing. I might have tagged in for a few minutes, got it. I, I can tell you, I never, if I did it, I never took a bump. Not that I wouldn't for Dean Malenko or Perry Saturn, but uh, uh, maybe not for Perry Saturn. Dean Malenko, I'd bump all over the world. But Perry Saturn was kind of a – shall we call him an asshole at the time? I'll call him an asshole at the time. He was a bit of an asshole at the time. Egomaniac, who was, you know, this tall. Uh, I would liked to see Perry Saturn and Billy Fives. That would That'd been a good one. See <laughs> Billy Pipe chew his ass up. <laughs> yeah, awesome, I, much, I, I think they put me in that match just to stand in the corner so Bob Evans could go out there and do his comedy spots to get the hell out of the room.
1: Right. Well I, I have every episode of um, you know, uh WWF jacked or metal uh, on my hard drive. I'm gonna try and seek it out because I couldn't find it earlier. I wanna see if this actually did happen uh and then I'll I'll send it your way uh, so you can remember that it actually happened <laughs> we um,
0: see. It's like when Lex Luger won the title
1: right <laughs> uh, as we alluded to earlier um, uh, you you did wrestle Albert uh 29th of January 2001 at the Mellon Arena in Pittsburgh uh, again new tights uh, and also you took a very very uh, impressive stalling double underhook suplex uh how was it
0: (laughs) all right so this was i think i was wearing blue right yeah all right so this is this is okay so i was talking to gangrel and uh this is how i actually bonded with the acolytes with with bradshaw because bradshaw notoriously give him one reason to pick on you and start shit and he will be relentless forever uh but i was wearing i was back wearing my black outfit and I had my black tape on, and uh, he walked over to me. I was talking to Gangrel, and he asked me, he said, hey, I mean, I, he said, I said, I, I, said, I know you're working, That like we've never really introduced ourselves, He goes, but you're kind of dressed exactly like us. And, and you know, they got big pentagrams on them and stuff. And he goes, would you mind changing? And I said, you know what, Bradshaw? You're absolutely right, brother. I got no problem changing at all. And he, like, looked at me, like, oh, my God. Like, I went and put on my blue tights. I said, "Do you mind if I put some blue on? Is it totally fine?" So I did that, and uh, from that moment, like fucking that. just, they were tremendous. And I, I did a lot of scenes in bars with those guys. If you go through, you'll see all these scenes where I'm like wearing a hat, I got my hair up, and <laughs> like, we're getting the shit kicked out of us all the time. <laughs> but they would try and get me to go to school and all the time. But yeah, that's that's where the blue tights came from, is because Bradshaw thought I looked too much like the acolytes which was odd because I looked exactly like Tess, which was my character again. Actually, I think, you know what? Tess was wearing the little silver shorts at that point, I think. I think he switched over his outfit. That's why I went back to my All
1: right. Oh, right. Okay. So you were a part of a lot of those brawls in the pubs, in the, in the bars with the, uh, the APA, were
0: you? We, we did one in Penn State. And I was actually, I was, I was up there at Penn State. Glenn Osborne was booked. I wasn't actually working that day for whatever reason. I don't know if I was hurt or what it was, but I, uh, they were doing this brawl at, at the bar at Penn State. I mean, shellac, like, you know, 68 to three, or just on ass whooping, right? So it was supposed to be this guy, Rich Myers, right? Who was in the scene, and, and him and Glenn and Jimmy Cicero. And then I went down the bar just to watch it, drink a few beers. But Glenn Osborne decided he wasn't going to do this. He was like, I'm not, I'm not getting beat up by Bradshaw. Because like, Glenn's ego is as big as his arms. He's, I'm not getting beat up in this bar. Not happening. So he backed out of the whole scene, right? So they came to me. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Let's go. Prior to this, this freaking nitwit, Rich Myers, all day long is like taking shots at me. Like, I guess he didn't realize that I'm the book. He didn't realize who I was. Like, maybe he's just stupid and didn't care. All day long, he's taking shots at me, all day. Like, just smart-ass comments. And I don't even know this guy from the Man on the Moon. So as soon as they put me in the scene, who do I walk over to? My buddy Bradshaw. <laughs> and I tell him, hey, by the way, come here. <laughs> and he goes, really? I went, yeah. He goes, all right. Just, we got you. So if you watch the Penn State Brawl, <laughs> I got my hat on. The fight breaks out. You'll see me grab Rich Myers. And I go right up the back of his fucking shirt. And I pull him into me like a shield, and Bradshaw just goes to town, kicking him with the <laughs> I kicked. He kicked the shit out of that. <laughs> and I'm behind him on the ground, laughing my balls off, and Bradshaw's just teeing off. Boom, boom. So then afterwards, I like think it was Gilberg. Gilbert walked over he goes, What the fuck, man? You used him as a shield? And I'm like, No, no, it's what they told me to do. Like, completely, completely shot on the motherfucker. <laughs> there you go, Rich Myers. Keep your mouth shut next time, asshole.
1: <laughs> awesome, bro. I uh, want to bring it now to uh, March 5th uh, in, I think it's 2001. Um, you take on the one Billy Gun at the MCI Center in Washington. You kick out of the Femassa, uh, which was uh, uh, interesting. Uh how did you like working with Billy?
0: He let me kick out of this finisher. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, uh, he let uh, me kick out of the famous sir. And then uh and then when I put me over. I, I got much respect for the guy, man. He uh always a gentleman, always a class act, always there for advice, and just a great dude. It's all I can't say enough good things about him. And in phenomenal shape. What's he like, He's gotta be almost 60. He's jacked <laughs> to the moon. This is ready right <laughs> for the Mystery
1: I mean he can still go. He's still really quick as well.
0: <laughs> I gotta tell you, I think I think in his career he's probably one of the most underrated guys of all time. And uh I don't know if he ever had a run with the intercontinental belt, but I he definitely should have been in the world title picture. He was that good. He is that good. He really is that good. And he was perfect for the attitude eric because he was funny as fuck. <laughs> it's a, just hilarious guy. <laughs>
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, I thought this was an interesting one because uh, we had this guy on the show a little while ago. It was a dark match for him. It was Chilly Willy um, from ECW, uh, 12th of June, 2001 at the Baltimore Arena. Um, This was a dark match, though. Um, How was it working with him?
0: Who I believe is an army. Yeah. For his service. I
2: certainly
0: appreciate that. Willie called me a test war. So, if Willie ever bumps? much respect.
1: Sorry, bro, bro.
0: The match was
1: yeah, yeah, uh, you break up a bit there
0: by his fatness and his shitty ability. So, uh, oh,
1: I lost him. Hopefully when he comes back. Sorry Luke, this is gonna be a bit of an edit. Hopefully when he comes back it'll it'll be better. Ah, it's really it's quite disappointing that he keeps breaking up like that because we're getting some good stuff here. You there, bro? Where'd you lose me at? Um, I didn't hear any of that answer for Chili Willie. Chili <laughs> uh, Willie, who was a
0: military veteran, I think he was in the Army. Military service to our country, and I thank him for that. Outside of that, he is a useless sack of. He's never been a good wrestler. He fucked up every spot on planet Earth. He couldn't listen, he couldn't work. Uh, he called. Me, he had the balls to call me a test one of day. The, the balls to call me a test one of these. This is years later, right? So uh, Chilly Willy, uh, I, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup of one person because no one knows who he is. So if you ever see him, tell him I told him to go fuck himself. That's my opinion of him. In fact, you know what? Don't even waste one of my go fuck yourselves on him because I don't even know who the fuck he is. He's probably working in retail somewhere where he belongs.
1: <laughs> fair enough, Barry, fair enough. Uh, thank, you for the, thank you for the insight. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is what I thought would be quite interesting to ask about because I noticed uh, a lot of these matches that you were getting, um, it kind of dried up after two thousand and one, which was it, it, at the same around the same time that WCW and ECW went out of business. So it didn't. It appears you didn't get brought back to do anything until about two thousand and three. Did did the closing of these two companies affect you in getting booked uh, on these WW shows? Because they just had so many people now.
0: Well, it wasn't that that affected. I was going to go to WCW, and I went. And I actually met with WCW in Philadelphia, and my intention was to go there. I love WW. Don't get me wrong, but I wanted the freaking money. I wasn't making the money I wanted to make. Um, uh, Billy Fives and Scoot were already in the power the uh, power the power plant power at the WCW, and I was on my way. So I had told, you know, WWE got wind, I'm going. And then freaking they went out of business. So Kevin, I think it was Kevin Kelly called me and we were, I was talking to him about it. And like, that put a scar on me. Like I wasn't loyal anymore. You follow me? But it wasn't like me being disloyal. Like they weren't loyal to me. I was, I was following the route of the Hardy boys, you know, stay loyal, stay here. Don't go to ECW, stay here from everybody. Michael PS Hayes, all just do what you're doing. You know, all of them. So I did what I'm doing, but. I never got pushed up to that main, main route, right? Now, looking back on my career and my time, as I look back at myself, a lot of that's on me. You know, maybe I took it for granted. Maybe once I got there, I got a little complacent. But still, I think loyalty well, counts for something. I had that conversation with Jerry Briscoe. He actually agreed with me that they, they did overlook me because I think a lot of people thought I was signed up there. Like, I'd get invited to the... There were no I think a lot of people thought I was signed. was all there. I mean, they put me on MTV, gave me my own MTV special. I want to be a WWE superstar. All these things they did for me. I think they really just overlooked me, and I, I probably approached it wrong. I should have probably gone to Vince directly, as opposed to calling a uh, Terry Taylor or them at WCW and going there. So I never actually stepped foot in WCW ring. I met with them in Philadelphia at the Spectrum, and uh, had nice conversations with everybody, and it was heading in that direction, but. Once they went out of business, I mean, look at the influx of talent that came in. It was crazy.
2: Mm. You
0: know, You, Jindrak, O'Hare, I mean, all these guys. Yeah. I did wind up going down to OBW. Chris Daniels and I actually went down uh, for a, for a week long training thing down there, and it went well. But you could see, man, like when you're standing there in OBW and it's Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar, Batista, the Bashams, Nick Dinsmore, Rob Conway. I mean, you're just like, the talent pool was just insane. And then you bring in the WCW guys. You're just you're just up against the freaking behemoth. So it was around that time I started winding it down. I stayed in it. I stayed in it for a while. But uh I saw the writing on the wall. I was getting old. <laughs>
1: No, I understand. And you know what, I don't, I don't actually blame you for looking for the opportunity with WCW because, hey, you've been doing these shots with the WWF for, you know, three and a half years at that point. You know, they're not still not offering you a contract. There's been ideas here and there. It hasn't come to fruition. I, you know, after I mean, three and a half years in an interview like this, it seems like it goes by quite quickly, but it's a very long time. So, you know, I, I, I totally understand.
0: It wasn't that they didn't offer me a contract. They had discussed developmental deals with me, several different people. But they didn't make any money, man. Like, dude, Edge, his first contract was 250 bucks a week. That was his first developmental deal, 250. You know, then you got guys down that making 500 a week. And you know, listen, if you're a single guy and you wanna live like you're in college, all right, cool. But I had a wife and two kids, I'm not gonna <laughs> give up what I have here for 500 a week. <laughs> Like if my wife was a surgeon, sure. <laughs> but we're just a blue-collar family, you know what I mean? So I wasn't a, I wasn't about to throw all that away for that. You follow me? Especially looking at the talent pool, you know, which I could compete with, but climb up that ladder. They're, they're, they're all five they're all seven feet tall. Which when I was the valley of the giants. That's what Vince wanted. Nowadays I would have blown through all of them like nothing.
1: <laughs> definitely bro um, so, you, you do get brought back eventually and I think in my research this is the last time you do anything related with the now WWE at that point uh, March 11th 2003 at the Mellon Arena in Pittsburgh a dark match with Australia's own Nathan j
0: Network, that's the way We play Good yeah. God Almighty 15. Don't play Network, that's the way We play Get puppies 15. Don't play Network, that's the way We play Get
1: All the announcement has been paid for By the
2: WZWA Network